0: Hello Great Minds, it's Monday, not Tuesday, but it's Halloween, so boo, I'm here, and that means it's time for Drinks with Great Minds in History, and a special bonus episode on everyone's, well I guess just my, favorite spooky subjects, witches, wizards, and doctors. So welcome to the DGMH bonus season, everyone. It's officially here. If you don't know what that means, it means I still have some content planned for you, just not the traditional Great Mind monthly format that isn't new, we've been doing this since season 1, and normally November is birthday month anyway, meaning that Sherry, Kelly, Luke, and Cullen will drive the content this month as they guide me through some of their favorite history and or psychology subjects. In the past, this has led to great chats on Freud, Goodall, Bismarck, John Adams, AIM, and of course, Beavers. But since I just remastered one episode, I figured why not do another, this time my favorite topic, well at least one of them, witches, so fucking fascinating, plus I I wanted to spruce up, maybe spook up. Is that too punny for my little Halloween episode? I don't know. Luke can judge me for it if he wants to. But I figured we'd go ahead and spice up that original Witchcraft, Witch Hunts, and Bambergers episode and add a little bit more to it. And to toast this spookiest of days, I am drinking a Keel Farms pumpkin cider. I won't lie, it's pretty amazing. So let's get to it. Witches may be one of the most interesting history topics out there, from Salem to Hocus Pocus to Sabrina the Little Teenage Witch. Witches just seem to put a spell on you. And they may be my favorite Hallow History topic, but they do not represent my favorite horror genre character. Actually, I hate horror films. I hate being scared. My vivid imagination runs away with horrible, terrifying shit and haunts me for days. But as far as scary monsters and characters go, well, the top spot for me belongs to another, but we shall get to that later. For now, let's start with witches. But first, it's some history for you, a reason to drink for me. It's the history of the great minds that made history come to be. So when I think witches, my mind instantly goes to Buffy, well, Willow, or Sabrina, and maybe the Wizard of Oz. I really hate that show, musical, movie, everything. But but whatever witch story you love most, we almost all instantaneously ask ourselves, how do you know she's a witch? And sadly, but gladly, that little Monty Python skit is probably the most accurate and telling of all the shows I just mentioned, as witch hysteria in the 15, 16, and 1700s was true lunacy. I mean, these people were batshit crazy. The beautifully executed scene with the fake nose, duck, and wood captures the ridiculous accusations surrounding witchcraft that dominated the Western world from Germany to Anglo-America in the 16th and 17th centuries. I mean, come on, how do you know she's a witch? Well, she turned me into a newt, I got better, that's just... It's just silliness, but so, so wonderful. Now obviously I can't cover everything there is to say about witches, hell that's a show in itself, and Salem alone is one of the most covered, dare I say, overdone stories in the podcast world. On a side note, while you're listening to this, I actually just had my annual Hocus Pocus watch party with my neighbors. Pumpkin beers, pumpkin cookies, and the neighbor can't beat it. Well maybe you could if there was some sort of pumpkin bourbon out there. If you know of one, let me know about it. So, as always, I have found myself rambling, and even getting to the point where I have to ask myself what the hell are we covering today? Well, witches. But which witch will we cover? Well, I'd have to say the most famous would be the Wicked Witch of the West. The Wizard of Oz, you know, and Wicked really capture the Wicked Witch motif better than most. And no, I'm not sure if that's how you properly use the word motif, nor do I really give a shit. But Oz gives us the quintessential black hat-wearing, broom-riding terror. Now I do want to jump down that Wizard of Oz beaver hole, trust me, and I might just do it, but not before we talk about the history of witchcraft a little bit. Witchcraft has plagued the more superstitious minds of Europe from the days of ancient Greece and Rome, and even the Old Testament references stories of beings that remind readers of witches. In ancient Rome, practicing quote magics would even cost one their life. British historian Ronald Hutton notes that Charlemagne addressed the issue, saying, If anyone deceived by the devil shall believe, as is customary among pagans, that any man or woman is a night witch and eats men, shall be executed. I mean, I guess if you're, you know, eating people, that's justification to, you know, be executed. But either way, what's that have to do with witchcraft? I guess we'll see. The medieval Catholic Church often made references to canon law to those women who were, quote, perverted by Satan. But it wasn't until around 1450 that shit really got crazy. My favorite historical period, early modern Europe, was a true breeding ground for witch hysteria, and for about 200 years, the inhabitants of Europe focused on just about two things, religious war and hunting witches. Well, that and, you know, survival, but still. I mean, these people had witch fever. Things intensified more and more over the course of the 15th century when Malus Maleficarum, or the Hammer Against the Witches, was published by a Dominican monk named Heinrich Kramer in 1486. The book, which heavily advocated for the extermination of witches, was actually banned by the church and condemned by the Inquisition, but the craze really took off when Jesuits took over for the Dominicans like Kramer. It really spread quick and fast and got quite messy, so let's break it down into three isolated issues in three unique areas, the British Isles, Germany, and of course, Salem. Over the course of more than two and a half centuries, nearly 200,000 people were tried for the heresy of witchcraft, with more than 50,000 being executed. Around 80% of these accusations were made towards women, but that, quote, gender balance, or I guess imbalance, differed from region to region in Europe. But that begs the question, why women? Historian Mary Wisner Hanks notes, quote, "...the reason for the predominance of women are complex. Women were viewed as weaker and so more likely to give in to the devil's charm." They had more contact with areas of life in which bad things seemed to happen unexpectedly, such as preparing food or caring for new mothers, children, and animals. Turning again to Kramer, he aims to answer the question, saying, quote, why a greater number of witches is found in the fragile feminine sex than among men? He answers, women are more credulous, naturally more impressionable, have slippery tongues, but the natural reason is that they are more carnal than man, all witchcraft comes from carnal lust, which is in women insatiable. What the actual fuck? Not only does this guy creep me out, but he is like sexist even for the medieval period. Beyond that, some historians actually translate the title of his work to be the hammer against female witches. In terms of trials, Mary Weisner Hanks points to the belief that witchcraft sought to undermine the church. Thus the church responded by branding witchcraft as an ultimate heresy and witches the enemies of God. She continues, trials for newer notions of quote, spiritualized witchcraft started growing in popularity in the mid-1400s and within a hundred years would begin shaping policy in the German states of the Holy Roman Empire. Not that you expected it, but Spain and other areas that the Inquisition dominated didn't make a huge habit of executing witches for heresy, just forcing them to denounce Satan and pay penance, mainly because they thought the accusations were quite ludicrous and unfounded. Still, witch hysteria spread, and the persecution of witches only seemed to slow when different Christian denominations were too busy killing each other, save only during the Thirty Years' War. That's when this witch shit got really out of control. So I want to take a quick look at three witchy stories that really capture the widespread nature influence and insanity surrounding the issue of witchery in early modern Europe. And this topic is honestly pretty well covered. I get why, it's really entertaining. So I went into this planning to write one little bit on Salem and call it a day, but here we are and I think the best place to start is the British Isles. So when most people, myself included, think of witch hysteria and witch hunts, we tend to visualize the picturesque small towns like Salem. Rural communities built on superstition raise a lynch mob of angry townsfolk that grab their torch and pitchforks and chase down a witch. We picture everyday people reacting to fear, personal hardships, and their own individual crazy. But I doubt many of you picture it all coming from the top. And here I am not talking about church figures, mayors, or community leaders, I am talking about the fucking king of Scotland. James Stuart, King James VI, and the future King James I of England actually published a book on identifying and understanding witches, demons, and black magics. In his 1597 daemonology, he even goes as far as to discuss werewolves, vampires, and various different types of biblical demons. First published for public consumption in 1599, James wrote his dissertation on witchcraft on the basis of his own personal involvement in witch trials in the early 1590s. The book would be published in England upon James' ascension to the throne in 1603, and it was his argument that witchcraft and witches merit the most severe of punishments. During his kingship, James would also write on the harmful nature of smoking tobacco, and he was right about that one and 400 years ahead of the rest of the world, so it makes one wonder, was he maybe right about witches? I guess we'll see. England was of course subjected to similar witch hysteria like other parts of Europe in the 1600s, but I would like to look elsewhere to see the true carnage that witch trials can wreak. Returning to the German states during the 17th century crisis, the HRE was home to countless witch trials and mass executions, but few towns and cities saw as much chaos and loss of life as Bamberg, Bavaria. Bamberg, a beautiful little town, which I've only seen in pictures, was heavily impacted by the Little Ice Age along with the rest of the HRE, and this caused famine and food shortages in the midst of seemingly endless religious warfare. So the only rational thing to do was blame it all on witches, which begs the age-old question, how do you know she's a witch? And does a witch really even have to be a she? Actually, no. And it seems like a fair amount of men were actually targeted in Bamberg as well, more so even than other areas around it. So, you know, go egalitarian Bamberg. It was under the leadership and direction of Johann Georg Fuchs who was also known as the Hexenburner or Witchburner, but I like to call him a foxing Asshole. Operating under the guise of the Catholic Counter-Reformation, he presided over the Bamberg Witch Trials that extended from 1626 to 1631, and was personally responsible for the death of up to 600 condemned witches. During the hundreds of documented trials, victims would be brutally tortured to force conversion. Hell, in the year 1628 alone, there were more than 200 trials. No one was safe. City council members, wealthy officials, even the city burgermeister or mayor, Johannes Junius, was executed for the heresy of witchcraft. While awaiting his execution, Junius wrote to his daughter saying, I confessed in order to escape the great anguish and bitter torture, which it was impossible for me to longer bear. He was found guilty when six council members provided testimony against him, all whose testimonies were coerced by similar torture. He ended by saying, They were forced to say it, just as myself was, and they too were put to death. Now here the primary target were not really witches, but Protestants and power. And that really fits nicely into the mess of the Thirty Years' War, which you can of course learn more about if you head on over to the DGMH Patreon page to check out another moment with Mr. DGMH on the Thirty Years' War. But back to this episode, the trials were only stopped when the Swedish general king Gustavus Adolphus occupied the city in the 1630s trials would continue after the war's end, and by 1680, more than 1,000, quote, witches had been executed in this singular Bavarian city that even today only hosts a population of just over 75,000 people. The Bamberg Witch Scare was not an isolated event in the German states, but it was by far the most horrific I have found. So happy fucking Halloween. Of course, I wouldn't really be doing a witch episode justice if I didn't touch on Sabrina. She was a teenage witch. And no, I didn't really want to talk about Sabrina. The thing I have to talk about is Salem. Now, most of my listeners are Americans. And even more important, everyone has pretty much heard of it. No one's going to tune into an episode called, Hey, Burgers, check it out. Salem, though, might catch an ear. Or an eye. Or whatever the fuck you, you know used to find this episode, but either way, I want to start by confessing that one of the worst experiences of my life was sitting through the play based on Arthur Miller's The Crucible, a reality that shouldn't have surprised me given my feelings towards the book. But visiting Salem was great, once you got past all the tacky tourist stuff. Now it took a little longer for the chic practices of executing witches to travel across the pond, but when it did, it was the stuff of legend. But like all legends, this myth isn't quite as scary or mystifying as one might think. So, from 1692 to 1693, a bunch of crazy Puritans got it in their heads that their town was infected with witches. But I find it to be one of the dumbest historical stories ever told. Honestly, I think it gets way too much attention. So I won't be talking about Puritans and Hubbards and Goods and Osbournes or even sweet old Tichiba. I just hate the story that much, and a million other shows cover it. But there are some figures from the salem witch trials that do pique my interest a little bit including new england minister cotton mather who is a bit of a contradiction he was very he was incredibly open-minded when it came to scientific advancement and he was even a key voice in bringing inoculation to colonial america but today he is mostly remembered for the buffoonery that was the salem witch trials speaking of buffoonery the names some of these new englanders chose to give to their children. Cotton, Dorcas, Increase? Who the hell names their kid Increase? Maybe a witch. But in the end, more than two hundred witches But in the end, two hundred witches were accused, thirty found guilty and nineteen executed and as always, most of them were women. My point is, Salem has nothing on Bamberg, and yet it gets so much more attention. But I will say it was the nastiest witch hunt in colonial American history. Another character that kind of catches my eye every time is Giles Corey. He presents an interesting twist to the story as he is the polar opposite of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. His show might better be titled Giles the 81 Year Old Sickly Witch, and after being accused of being a witch, Giles refused to enter a plea of guilty or innocent, which led authorities to default to the legal custom of the day, pien forte et d'or. And I might have said that, oh, let's be honest, we all know by now I definitely said that wrong. But either way, this tradition originated all the way back in the 13th century, and it basically worked by putting a stone on top of one's chest again and again and again and again until the weight eventually forced them to confess or, you know, suffocated them. Either way, Giles Corey's story went like this, stone after stone, pound after pound, Giles Corey survived this torture for two whole days, did not confess, and yeah, fucking died. So there you have it, Mr. DGMH's brief history of witches, witchcraft, and witch hysteria. It was a brutal mess fueled by idiocy and power-hungry patriarchs. But I won't say witches are my favorite little Halloween piece. No, my favorite historically horrifying character would be Frankenstein. Not my favorite classic book, that one is Dorian Gray, but Frankenstein is one of my favorite stories and greatest sources of angst and frustration, as the true horror of this character is not the monster, but misinformation. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein is a great book with a rich history tied to it. Most who know Frankenstein actually never read the book, instead basing all their knowledge on the subject on movie after movie after movie, and spend their entire life thinking that the ghoulish monster is actually named Frankenstein. It's fucking not. This information is certainly not news, it shouldn't be news at all, and it might not be news to you. Many people probably already know this, but if you didn't, here's a big shocker for you. Frankenstein is the doctor, not the monster. Or is he the monster, metaphorically speaking? Who knows? But I guess, you know, read the book and figure that out on your own. Either way, the guy who walks around going and has the little thing sticking out of his head, that is not Frankenstein. It's Frankenstein's monster. I mean, for crying out loud, he is a doctor. He probably had some kind of, like, early modern PhD. Give the guy the fucking credit he deserves. And if you're saying to yourself, well, fuck, I didn't know that, huh? now you do. As to the history, well, aside from fun stories about how author Mary Shelley came to write the book, which is neat, there is the simple fact that Mary Shelley is actually Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley, the daughter of England's famed woman's rights advocate of the 18th century, Mary Wollstonecraft. And I hope I said Wollstonecraft every time there, last thing I need is another Custis escape. but meh, oh well. Wollstonecraft actually died due to complications from her second pregnancy, that is, the birth of her daughter Mary. So I will end with this, Mary Shelley was a fantastic author, the way she tells Frankenstein's story is intriguing to say the very least. Although I consider the misconception surrounding Dr. Frankenstein and his creature to be an atrocity, the true crime is that people remember Shelley as a one-off writer. Her legacy is tarnished by the very fame her monster created. Shelley was a pioneering woman who chose to write by her married name to avoid ties to her mother's fame. She was a talented novelist, writer, biographer, and editor, yet she is known to most as just the author of Frankenstein. She lived during one of the most dynamic periods in history. Born August 30, 1797, she came of age as the British Empire rose to its greatest heights, and France transitioned out of the Revolution and Napoleonic period only to welcome another Bonaparte to its highest offices as Shelley approached her death in February 1851. Well, that's it. But wait, Mr. DGMH, what about that Wizard of Oz piece? Oh yeah, well, that's not really about witches, but I do have a little story for you there, and honestly, quite the history horror story, if you ask me. It's something I came across when prepping my recent lecture on Westward Expansion, that if we stretch it, does kind of connect witches after all. So there I am prepping for class, a lecture on Americanization, assimilation, and the so-called Indian Wars, and I came across a quote. Just one singular citation, and it caught my eye like no other. Now, you need to know that when it comes to history, pretty much nothing shocks me anymore. By this point, I've seen almost everything I can see about the topics, at least about the topics I teach. I mean, especially with this topic, I'm never surprised by the horrors of Indian schools like the Carlisle Institute of Pennsylvania who ran under the motto, quote, kill the Indian, save the man, or massacre after massacre, cultural genocide, or the millions of skulls of dead American bisons piled on top of each other like some sort of new Egyptian pyramid. My point, westward expansion? It's pretty much all bad. I mean, Manifest Destiny, that is, achieving America's, quote, God-given fate to create an empire that shined from sea to shining fucking sea was a true horror story fit for the Halloween season, but Mr. DGMH, I ask you again, what the hell does this have to do with The Wizard of Oz? Well, the answer to that would be L. Frank Baum. I will say the L is for Lyman, but you might think by the end of this that Lunatic would be a better fit for that L. So Al Frank Baum was a man who lived in the Dakotas during the final years of the Indian Wars. Shortly after the death of Sitting Bull, Baum, who was the editor of a small Dakota newspaper, the Aberdeen Saturday Pioneer, suggested that the remaining American Indians simply be exterminated. Some have argued that he may have made these remarks satirically given his mother's close ties to American Indian rights, but given what he said following the Wounded Knee Massacre, I'd have to say I disagree. In his paper, he wrote, quote, "...the pioneer has before declared that our only safety depends on the total extermination of the Indians. Having wronged them for centuries, we had better, in order to protect our civilization, follow it up by one more wrong, and wipe out these untamed and untamable creatures from the face of the earth." So yeah, he is pretty much evil, but again, you're probably wondering what the hell this has to do with Oz. Well, if you don't know, which I certainly fucking did not, L. Frank Baum is the author of The Wizard of Oz. His picturesque little Kansas farm is based off his time spent in the Dakotas, and it turns out he was a bit of a piece of shit. His descendants would even later apologize formally for his statements, but that doesn't make him any less of an asshole. So I guess at the very least, you can think on that quote the next time your mind or evening finds itself wandering down the yellow brick road. Well, that's finally it. A couple of witchy stories for you, as well as a short tale on the not-so-wonderful author of Oz. I have always found myself far more spellbound by this topic than I ever thought I would be, but I can honestly say that my drink choice is even better. For the Halloween special I had to rate my new favorite pumpkin drink, Kiel Farms, pumpkin cider. In terms of taste, I don't love pumpkin beers. I didn't expect to love this cider either. I don't like the smell of pumpkin or often the taste in alcoholic beverages. But this was pure, real, and so fucking flavorful. It is one of my new favorite ciders. The pumpkin aroma and taste are just right. Six points for taste. It was. I will say I wish it was a little drier, but if you like a sweeter cider, this one is definitely for you, and get it while you still can. As for price, well, it's not bad, coming in at about $12 for a six-pack of cans, that is comparable to most other decent beers and ciders. But here, you aren't paying for a name, you are paying for a great Florida local cider in a league of its own. At $2 a can, it is worth the price, so I am giving it four points for price. And I have returned this all month and my Friday visits to Irma's Tacos, and I will be on the hunt for some cans of this stuff, although they have eluded me thus far. Six points for return. Coming in at 16 out of 18 points, Kiel Farms' first drink on the show leaves the show with a very nice six-crown rating, and I do hope to visit their winery soon. Well, let's wrap this up. If you enjoyed this episode of Drinks with Great Minds in History, then please consider leaving the show a great, hopefully five-star review wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at DGMH History, and be sure to join in the conversation over on the DGMH Facebook group. Plenty of fun chats and memes shared there. If you are all caught up in looking for even more DGMH or just love the show, then we hope you'll consider supporting the show over on the DGMH Patreon page. There listeners can get access to a growing and great amount of content, including bonus Psych and Shots conversations, pre-game chats, extra moments with Mr. DGMH, another extra moment with Mr. DGMH on the 30 Years' War, Cullen chats China, where Cullen chats with me about the rich history of China that I know next to nothing about, and Pete chats Portugal, where I tell him about the forgotten stories of Portugal's also rich history. And I now talk about what I'm teaching, too, because, you know, I just needed one more thing to squeeze in there. Oh, well, as always, let's close with a toast. Witches, you turned out to be way more interesting than I ever imagined. I got to talk about Frankenstein, and the Wizard of Oz, too. But hey, all of it was fun for me. And hopefully it was for you, too. At the very least, everyone came into this knowing about Salem. But really, who the hell knew Bamberg even existed? Bambergers, for sure. I wonder which witchy witch story has cast the biggest spell on you. Let me know. Either way, priests, princes, and kings all bought into the witch craze, and now I kind of have too. But tonight, let's raise a glass to witches, the no-doubt sexually frustrated witch hunters that sought them out, and the loons that brought their communities to all of this madness. Eh. and the fact that as an adult, I never have to read the fucking Crucible or watch The Wizard of Oz again if I don't want to. Happy fall, y'all, and happy Halloween. Cheers.